Idag pratar vi om något som märkligt nog undgått oss länge, nämligen podcasts. Mediet som attraherar miljarder människor världen över och bara i Sverige lyssnar nästan en tredjedel av befolkningen på podcasts. Så idag ska vi titta på hur det ser ut i Kina. Ligger man före eller efter oss här i fest? Och hur ser de bakomliggande affärsmodellerna egentligen ut? Hur funkar ens en podcast i en marknad med censur? Jag heter Jakob Löfven. And I'm Nick Young. Och det här är Den digitala draken, en del av Svenska Dagbladet. Idag ska vi som sagt bli lite meta. Alltså vi ska djupdyka i vårt eget medie. Och vi kan inleda med lite data om hur det ser ut här i väst. Så i USA där flest poddar produceras spås hälften av befolkningen blir regelbundna poddlyssnare redan nästa år. Giganter som Joe Rogan och This American Life når tiotals miljoner människor varje vecka. Och hur ser det ut i Sverige då? Jo, här når poddar drygt en tredjedel av oss svenskar på veckobasis och lyssnandet fortsätter att öka stadigt. Samtidigt är annonsmarknaden för poddar förvånansvärt liten. Drygt 300 miljoner kronor investeras i annonsering i poddar. Och det här kan jämföras med tv där det investeras över 5 miljarder från hungriga annonsörer. Och man kan å ena sidan hävda att podcast har blivit ett räckvidsmedie. Å andra sidan så beter det sig inte riktigt som ett räckvidsmedie i en traditionell bemärkelse. Till skillnad från de gamla medierna så är distributionen i stort sett helt fri som du säkert känner till. Det vill säga det finns få poddar som bara finns på en plattform. Istället kan man hitta dem överallt. Och det andra sättet som poddar är annorlunda från mer traditionella medier är att den stora volymen är användargenererade. Det vill säga ingen professionell firma bakom. Så hur ser det här ut egentligen i Kina? Såklart här med min kollega Nick Yang. Hej Nick. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm I'm very eager to look into podcasts. Well, it's kind of weird that we haven't gone this route before when it comes to like understanding technology outside of the West. Um, but for some reason, it sort of eluded us this topic. It is. We spend so much time talking about live streaming, short videos, Instagramming, e-commerce, and all that stuff. And I think podcast is so unique as a content form. Yeah. And you've proven this, right? You've been podcasting for years yeah yeah and you had to wait until now to do a podcast episode <laughs> didn't you know how special you are i know i feel almost like i'm discriminating because i haven't done a podcast about podcasts earlier so i'm happy that we're doing that today so nick maybe just set the scene what is the podcast landscape like in china that's a big question that's why everyone's tuning in right well what if i answer your question with a question What if I were to tell you that China has around 120 million podcast listeners, but that the podcast community is still incredibly niche? Would you believe me? I mean, considering you have a population of about 1.3, 1.4 billion and almost a billion people that have access to the internet, I'm kind of surprised to hear that actually. Yeah, it's less than 10% of the country. And, you know, even when I tell friends that 120 million people have listened to a podcast in China. They're like, oh, that's way too high. That's... Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's such a niche sub-community in China. But when you're talking about China, even niche communities are huge. 
And it just so happens that even though it is a small community, it's growing super quickly. So this is actually the first time we have a topic where we cover an area where we in the West are actually ahead of China. Yeah, I would say that. Wow. We could talk a little bit more about this because in terms of audio content, China is very sophisticated. But in terms of podcasts, as we know them in the West, mm-hmm. China is very much following the West's lead. Hmm. Um, especially because a lot of the more sophisticated podcasters here in China have been inspired by Western podcasts like NPR. For example, so you're saying that it's a niche community. So, who is this niche group of people? Would you say that that are listening to podcasts in China? Well, let me just give you some top level statistics. Right. First of all, the people listening to podcasts in China typically come from tier one cities. Right. So over half come from your Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, the big cities in China, and they're very young. So nearly 90% of podcast listeners are under 35. The average age is around 30, right? So you're looking at the bulk of people kind of in their late 20s, early 30s. And here's the big one. 90% have a bachelor degree or above. 40% have a master's degree. So young, big cities, extremely educated. Hmm. So it's a white-collar medium. It is kind of like a white-collar medium, except that not all of the podcast listeners have white collar jobs necessarily but they are very educated and they're very curious about things that are happening in China Chinese society and outside of China. Hmm. So so can you give us like a picture of what are the topics that are mostly covered in podcasts is it the same like here is it you know sports and news and influencers having nothing to say but saying it anyway you know that kind of thing. Well definitely some sports definitely some news and breaking down the news but the interesting thing is it's not so much influencers talking a lot about not a lot um, it's actually a tight-knit community of people talking about niche interests that land with a more educated listener set so anything from how to advance your career maybe in a white-collar job or what it means to be a feminist in China you know topics that you would think I wouldn't typically hear people talking about this just on the street And it's also kind of in this gray area because it seems more open of a platform than, let's say, your TikToks or the Chinese version of Instagram in terms of what you can say, what you can post. And I think that attracts a lot of these highly educated niche communities. Why is that? Why does it feel more open? I think for two reasons. First reason is it's just the content form itself. Uh, audio is just typically more difficult to censor. Now, of course, technology is becoming increasingly more sophisticated, so this will change. Mm-hmm. But sifting through audio, you have to take the audio, you have to transcribe it into text, and then you have to apply your filters on it to censor. Um, but I think the other piece of it is that it's a very new content form. And yes, even though over a hundred million people listen to podcasts, it's not nearly as big as. TikTok, the short video platforms, right? The image platforms, the blogging platforms. Yeah. So it's just not enemy number one for me, government censors. Hmm. One thing that I find very interesting about China's podcast community is that number one, it's not like the West in that podcasters try to be intentionally controversial. I think this is a Chinese characteristic: stay away from controversy. <laughs> like I don't yeah. think any Chinese person willingly goes. Looking for conflict in China, but I think there's another C word that's important here, which is commercialization. 
So when Chinese content creators create content, typically there's a very obvious commercial angle. In other words, I'm gonna try to sell you something, and that's completely fine. Whereas in the West, it's like, oh guys, like I'm doing this ad because I really believe in this product, and there's like this. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's this layer of I'm like honesty, but like really, let's be honest. You're trying to make money, yeah, right? But you got to be fake authentic. In China, there's none of this fake authentic. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna sell this to you,、mm. and you see that in all the other content forms except podcasting, which to me is very interesting.、Um, until really very recently, these podcasts were not made to be commercialized,、mm. and I think that's what attracted so many loyal listeners because they weren't tuning into an advertisement for once in their life. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/wondersuite. Kinas poddmarknad skiljer sig alltså radikalt från den västerländska. Få lyssnare, högutbildade lyssnare och mycket nischat content. Och dessutom är podcast en medieform som verkar vara lite friare från censur än de andra plattformarna. Det betyder såklart inte att ämnen som provocerar myndigheterna behandlas här, men kanske lite lösare tyglar i alla fall. Vi ska komma tillbaka till affärsmodellerna och hur plattformar och poddar kan tjäna pengar på content. Men först lite poddhistoria i Kina. Vilka var de allra första poddarna eller poddlika produkterna på marknaden? Här på hemmaplan i Sverige var det två grabbar som pratade om livet och aktuella händelser som blev de första stora poddarna. Jag talar såklart om Alex och Sigge och Filip och Fredrik. Men i Kina byggde de första poddarna inte alls på stora personligheter. Det handlade istället om utbildning och att lära sig saker. What's really interesting is that podcasts is a form of audio content, but it's not the form of audio content that emerged earliest in China. What emerged much earlier was what we call here these pay-for-knowledge audio platforms. And the way that a lot of tech companies and audio content creators figured out to monetize their content was to create mini courses. Essentially, you take I don't know a course of ten hours where you're teaching on a certain topic. You record your course, and then you cut it up into, let's say, three to five minute audio clips. And you bind all these audio clips together into one cohesive curriculum. So you can kind of imagine like. The platform Masterclass, but without the videos, right? So all audio, and then distributed through platforms for 9.9 RMB. Can never be 10, right? The 9.9 RMB. So what is that like? 13, 14 kroner, and you get access to this content. And so, way back when, I started a, a company around pay for audio content because I thought, okay, this trend is. Blowing up in China, I think it's going to blow up in other places in the world as well. Specifically, the U.S. I, I ended up being very, very wrong, but I learned a lot in the process. <laughs> okay,、uh, let's talk more about that. I love、uh, when you're wrong, Nick. It sounds like a good idea, right? Pay for audio content. Like, were you too early, or were you like, was it just no market for,、uh, for the content? 
Well, of course I was too early. Come on now. Hmm. I couldn't admit that I'm wrong. I was just, you know, wrong time maybe. Yeah. But the idea was this. So there was this app in China that was essentially a question and answer app, right? And so in the beginning, I was like, okay, so this is just like audio Quora, right? And Quora never made money, so this app will never made money. But I was wrong. So I came to China and I saw this app. It was blowing up. Everybody was talking about it. The idea was if I am an expert, I can post a price, let's say 10 RMB. And for 10 RMB, anybody can ask me a question, right? On any topic, but probably a topic that I'm known for. Yeah. Right? So let's say it's stock picking. Mm. So you can ask me a question for 10 RMB. I will give you an audio response, right? But it doesn't just stop there. Everybody else on the platform, even if they didn't ask me the question, could eavesdrop or listen in on the audio response that I gave to that original person about stock picking. And to eavesdrop on that response, they'd have to pay one RMB. So hmm. this platform is generating revenue off the initial question, but also generating follow-on revenue through all of the eavesdropping. Right. And here's the crazy thing. This is where Chinese, like their business models go crazy. All of the revenue generated from eavesdropping gets divided between me, the original expert, and also the person who asked me the original question. So you get incentivized ah. to ask good questions. Yeah. So I thought, okay, you know what? This is, this is going to be huge because as long as you can get a few key celebrities talking about some real shit on this platform, mm. everyone's going to want to listen in. And so I raised the money, started a startup um, in the U.S. To, to kind of replicate what I was seeing in China. Of course, I failed. Mm. I think I was too early because this was pre-Clubhouse, right? This was yeah. pre-the uh, video version of this app. It's called Cameo. Do you want my initial Western feedback on your business case? Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I really like the idea. That's, that's my first thing. I'm being vulnerable, <laughs> okay? I know. I appreciate it. That's like step one to being a great leader. I read about it once. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, but I think whenever you're talking about transactions around content whether it's like oh that article over there or you know it's uh, you know asking a question and uh, or eavesdropping as you said uh, to a conversation and so on i think what china has it going for it is that transactions financial transactions is such an easy thing because it's so integrated and like yeah you could say that today um you don't necessarily have to register, you know, your credit card on the separate account and on like each media platform and so on. You can do, use like Apple Pay or, or something similar. But, you know, this is Apple Pay is something fairly new and it's like the adoption rate isn't sky high, not outside of the US yet. So like, I think that would be my initial, you know, trying to adopt this business model for content creators, I think that would be one of the main issues because small transactions are a headache. I completely agree with you. Uh, I think one of the biggest frictions was digital payments. It's so easy here in China, mm -hmm. but it's so difficult in the US. And back then we didn't even have Apple Pay, right? It was still credit card or the horror, cash. <laughs> You know what I mean? So you know, there were problems with it. Mm. And for what it's worth, okay, pay for knowledge audio didn't work in the West, at least not for me. But in China, the value of this industry is upwards of $10 billion. Wow. And the, the platforms that host these audio mini courses and these audio books, 
are huge unicorns or even public companies. And you know of Himalaya, which is the biggest audio content right. platform in China. Yeah. And they have tons of mini courses. And I think part of that is just because of inadequacies in the education system, right? Mm. So they teach you a lot of theory. You probably see this in the West as well. They teach you a lot of theory, but not how to apply it. But yeah. when, I don't know, senior product manager from the Tencent team starts a course about how to build social communities online, a lot of people want to tune in and listen because this yeah. person, you know, he was like, I don't know, early team on, on the WeChat team at Tencent, yeah. right? So there's so much great audio content out there in China. People are willing to pay for it, even if they're only paying 9.9 RMB a class hmm. with the huge volume of users you have in China, that adds up. Yeah. So the industry is worth upwards of $10 billion. And it, it is growing, I should say. Now, you look at podcasts by comparison, going deep into a topic and really engaging your guests or your other co-hosts in conversation, that's all fine and well. But most people in China are too busy. They just don't have the time to mm. listen for so long. Added on top of that, most podcasts are free. Yeah. They're not behind paywalls. And so you look at an industry that, yes, it's niche. Yes, it engages really interesting topics and it's growing. But it's not yet that valuable. Hmm. Yet. Så Nix försök att göra en copy-paste på Kinas framgångsrika koncept med minipoddar där man betalar för att få svar på sina frågor flög inte. Det ska såklart läggas till att det här var länge sedan. Och kanske kommer den här typen av innehåll inte fungera framöver heller. När alla har en egen chatt i fickan. Hur som helst var den här typen av podd den första populära ljudprodukten i Kina. Och nu kommer fler och fler poddar. Men till skillnad från Pay for Knowledge-formatet har de inte ännu hittat en riktigt bra inkomstkälla. Let's say from the podcaster point of view, why would somebody in China record a podcast and pour their heart and soul into it if they were getting paid nothing or pennies? Right to, to create this content. And I think there's two points here. Number one is just straight up passion. Yeah. They're doing this for the love of the game. And because they finally can talk about interesting topics at a very deep level to people who actually want to hear them talk. There is positive reinforcement there. Yeah. I think yeah. the other part of it is you look at the type of people who are creating podcasts and they're the type of people who have enough free time to take on a side gig of podcasting, even though it doesn't make any money. So in other words, they're doing well enough in their main gig to take on this low-paying side gig. Yeah. And this is important, right? Because this is the reason why the community will still remain niche. Yeah. Because all those other people who need to make money off a more strenuous full-time job, they just can't get into podcasting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know how much time it takes to create a podcast. And I think that's the exact same group of people that you're seeing doing podcasts here as well. At least, yeah. you know, most of them are not like, they're not doing it for the commercial opportunity. They're doing it because they're passionate about something. Men okej, okay. om man tittar på det här från andra sidan. Vad finns värdet på poddmarknaden för annonsörerna? I Kina är såklart marknaden väldigt ny och annonsörerna har inte fått upp ögonen för podcasts ännu. Det kostar dessutom väldigt lite att annonsera i poddar på den kinesiska marknaden. Så lite som motsvarande en krona för tusen lyssnare. Det betyder alltså en femhundring för att nå en halv miljon människor. Nick verkar se möjligheter på det här området. So if I'm a Chinese brand, honestly what I'm thinking is advertising through 
Chinese podcasters may be the biggest untapped potential content form in China. I mean, it could also be Swampland, but at these prices, <laughs> I'm gonna take that bet. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what's behind door number two, because if you, it, let's break it down with some simple unit economics, right? Traffic multiplied by conversion rate multiplied by size of order equals GMV, right? Gross merchandise value, how much money you make, and yeah, okay. So the other platforms like TikTok, their traffic is super high, but the conversion rate is low, and the size of the order is often very low because TikTok, at least the TikTok version in China, is. It's really about driving those impulse purchases. I see a short video, I want to buy, right? So yep. it's just short, small size of order. Now with the podcast, granted, we're not we're comparing apples and oranges, so we're not saying it's anything like TikTok. Traffic is much lower than TikTok, but the conversion rate and the potential size of order is much higher. Sure. So, yeah. and, and you can understand why because for a niche audience, let's say use your example of. That podcaster who's creating a niche podcast around architecture, right? So if I'm a building materials company and I'm looking for an influencer to work with, if I'm working with that podcaster who's talking about architecture, I can be pretty certain that a lot of his or her audience are architects or people who are interested in this space and may engage building materials somewhere in their work. Yeah. It's a very targeted audience, very very targeted, and this podcaster has like what forty five minutes an hour to talk about <laughs> these things, and can read out my ad in his or her own voice and say, or be fake authentic about saying,、uh, you know, this is a building material that I trust and I and I've worked with before. Like that is, that is the ideal, to me, that is the the ideal marketing setup, and you're looking at. A podcasting audience that is extremely educated,、um, they have higher average salary、uh, than consumers of other content in China.、Yeah. Um, they're young, and so they will eventually rise into positions of influence. It's a really untapped market. Yeah, and you're not paying anything to try it out. Remember, one kroner for a thousand impressions. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/wondersuite. I want to understand the future of podcasting and where it might head, both in China, but then maybe we can reflect a little bit on where we think it's going in the West. I'm happy to reflect on where it might go in China,、mm -hmm. and I'm super excited about this. And I'm looking at it from the perspective of brands, and and frankly, from a podcaster's perspective. So I'll, I'll speak to both. I'll start with a podcaster. If I'm a podcaster, there's a playbook to monetization. That is, build a tight knit community by talking about something that you really care about, 
and then monetize that community elsewhere. So in a WeChat group, offline events, or your own online store, take on some consulting gigs or coaching, as you said. Um, but I think the bigger interesting question is, is this a huge arbitrage opportunity for brands? So in other words, if I'm placing an ad on a podcast and it costs me one RMB or one kroner for a thousand streams, can you imagine what I could do with just a one million RMB marketing budget? <laughs> right? Or if I was an investor or a private equity company and I just bulk bought equity stakes in all of the top 30 or all of the top 100 podcasts. I could like carve out the most valuable segment of this growing niche, but this growing content form. And in doing so, gain the attention of all of these highly educated listeners who have a lot of disposable income and live in the biggest, most prosperous cities in China. I mean, to me, this is a bargain. This is a steal. <laughs> And, and I think that also this year in particular, post-COVID during the recovery, cosmetic brands are now just beginning to get their feet wet in this space. And so you see brands like Estee Lauder, you see brands like uh, L'Oreal and Shiseido, they're starting to work with podcasters who talk about women issues, right? Fashion, style, what it means to be a woman, as I talked about earlier, niched um, feminist communities and they can engage topics at far greater depth than they can do on on tiktok mm -hmm. and so they're just trying out this content form at this at this moment yeah. so they're working with podcasters creating sponsored podcasts right or just straight up um purchasing ads it's just beginning now but i suspect that this space is going to continue to to grow yeah. And if I'm a consumer brand right now, I'm looking to these podcasts. I should figure out what product I'm selling, what niche audience I want to engage, and then like buy ads on the top 10 podcasts talking to that audience in China. And you may think it's super small in China, but that's, I mean, I'm sure that collective audience is millions, if not tens of millions of people. Yeah. It sounds like now is the time for people to go into podcasts, whether you're in like advertising and want to kind of build a following there, or if you want to actually create the podcast in China, right? Is that what you're saying? I think so. I believe in tipping points. And in the West, I think you may remember this, when the podcast Serial came out. Yeah. It was like true crime. And... I remember so many of my friends who had never listened to podcasts before started listening because they became captivated by this serial podcast. And I think we were on like a road trip and we we're like, okay, what should we put on? Let's not, we don't want to listen to an audio book. Let's put on this podcast. Apparently it's yeah. really popular. And we were completely engrossed. Hmm. And because of that tipping point, podcasting as a medium gained so many new listeners. And I think I expect there will be at least one, but I, I suspect several podcasts in China that will come up and play that role of that serial played in the West and just attract a whole swath of different yeah. listeners. It might be that some Chinese celebrity decides to create a podcast on his or her own and talks about something people just did not expect that they would talk about and it just became super popular. Yeah. But I suspect that it, it will happen. It hasn't happened yet. But because you have all of this deep interest in the topics that these podcasters engage in China and that brands are slowly beginning to work with these podcasters. It's kind of like the 
the kindling that's preparing for that large fire. Yeah. You know, we're trying to start that fire. There's a flame now, but it's not like a roaring fire yet. But the difference between a flame and a roaring fire, it's just like overnight. Så frågan är ju såklart då vem som ska bli Kinas Joe Rogan med flera miljoner lyssnare. Och det blir också spännande att se vilka brands som kommer att dra nytta av podcastvågen i Kina. Och vilka influencers som också kan rida den vågen. Innan vi avslutar dagens avsnitt ska Nick få göra ytterligare en poäng. Om podcastälskare versus tiktokare. Podcasts are the only content form where the content itself is actually more important than the platform. So if you look at any of the other social media platforms, people go there for the platform and then they consume a lot of content. They discover a lot of content on those platforms. Yeah. But for podcasts, it's I'm going to a place. It could be any platform, really, because of the podcaster. I mean, that was Spotify's bet with Joe Rogan, right? Right, that people would go to Spotify because of him, even if it meant that they would have to leave all these other podcast platforms. Yeah, yeah. And I think here's a data point from China in terms of the people who listen to podcasts. That audience has the least overlap with the TikTok audience. So in other words, the people who listen to TikTok more or less do all the other social media stuff as well, all the other social media platforms, except for podcasts. That if it were a Venn diagram, that overlapping area between podcasts and like the TikTokers is the smallest. So it's very unique content form. Yeah. You know what it is, Nick? What is it? Podcasts are rare because it's basically the only algorithm-free medium. Wow, that is a deep point. Keep this in the recording. Like, think about it. Like, all the other new kind of digital media, they find you. They find you through algorithms. You can't do that on podcast. It's like very, very difficult. Like at best you can get like, oh, here's the top five podcasts that someone listens to or that, you know, Apple promotes or whatever it is, right? So that requires quite a lot from you. Yeah. And it doesn't promote that rabbit hole or that echo chamber of ideas that unfortunately a lot of new other medias promoting. Yeah. And that's interesting because I've been doing this for almost seven years. And this is the first time I thought about podcasts in that way. Stort tack till er som har lyssnat. Och låt oss fortsätta hylla podcasts. Vill du fördjupa dig i mer tech? Eller till exempel kolla in Dynastin från Svenska Dagbladet. En av de absolut bästa poddarna som producerats de senaste åren. Så gå in på svd.se. Och du kan också gå in på prenumerera.svd.se slash den digitala draken så får du 30 dagar gratis att testa premiuminnehållet. Vi hörs snart igen. Du har lyssnat på den digitala draken, en podd från Svenska Dagbladet. Ansvarig utgivare är Martin Alkvist.